This morning I want to begin a series that I've been uh, kind of brewing inside of me for the last, the last several weeks. But I, I want to begin a series, so I'm just going to give you the introduction to this today because, you know, time is a little bit shorter than normal. Um, some of you think I can't do this, but I'm going to do it this morning. You wait and see. I'm going to do it in, in a short period of time. But I want to just give you a bit of an introduction to a series that I'm going to begin today called Something New. Something New. Back at the first of the year, when we were having our times of prayer uh, during the month of January, God, one morning in church, stirred my heart, and God just dropped in my heart and said, I'm going to do some things you've never seen before. I've been in ministry 40 years, and I've seen a lot of stuff. And when God said that, it caught my attention because I sensed in my heart, you know, people say, well, what kind of miracle would that be? It's not just miracles. God's going to do some things we've never seen before. And in order to really grasp those things, we need to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do. So let's pray real quickly, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father, open our hearts this morning. God, I ask that you would speak to every person in this room those who are watching online, Father, speak to us today about our part and what you're about to do in our area, in our nation, in our world, in our church, and in our individual lives. God, let us understand that a move of God starts in individual hearts. We open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we oftentimes talk about here at the bridge, there's a difference between religion and relationship. It's one thing to have religion. It's another thing to have relationship with God. There's a difference between believing in God, believing he exists, and really knowing him and being in that relationship with him. There's a difference between believing in God and experiencing God's power and his work in our lives. There's a difference between believing in God and pursuing God. Some of you may not know this, but the Lord's encouraged us to pursue him throughout his word. He said, if you'll draw close to me, I will draw close to you. So he gives us the encouragement to do that. Not only that, there's a difference between believing God could do something, between believing God would be willing to do something, and then going one step further and believing, well, God will do that for me, and he's going to do that in my life. There's a difference. And what I want to begin with this morning is God wants us all to live in a vibrant relationship with him. God wants us to know him. God wants us to live a life where every single day of our lives we're interacting with God and we're looking for his intervention in our lives. And yet in the church world, and it's always been this way, I think, at least in my lifetime, I've seen it. But in the church world, there always seems to be a problem for some people with a spiritual complacency and and the problem is if you ever enter into a place of spiritual complacency it begins to spiral downward if we're not careful and what happens is it goes from complacency to staleness to indifference where we're just kind of complacent with God and then we're kind of like stale well it doesn't really matter and then the next thing you know we're just kind of indifferent and we're not even really thinking about God but this morning I want to give you this thought and I want to use this as a bit of a springboard I've taught this when I teach on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives but I believe a healthy relationship with God is always aware of three things number one what God is doing for me 
We need to be aware that God always has plans to do things for us. In every situation of life, God wants to be involved. He wants to be working for us. The second area, we need to be aware that God also wants to be working in us. Working in us, changing us from the inside out. That we begin to take on the nature of Jesus. That the fruit of the Spirit begins to develop in our lives. And people see that God is changing us day by day by day. God working for us and God working in us. But then the third area, we also need to be aware, if we want to have a healthy relationship with God, that God wants to be working through us. Not just through pastors, not just through assistant pastors, not just through church leaders. God wants to be working through all of our lives to encourage others and touch other people's lives. If any one of these three areas is dormant, if God's not working for us, if we're not allowing God to work in us or through us, if any of those three areas are lying dormant, it's going to begin to affect our relationship with God and we begin to come, become complacent, then stale, than indifferent towards God. You know, I was thinking about it this week. I really think there are signs of a healthy relationship with God. You know, I've known a lot of Christians. I know a lot of people in our church, you know, from side to side in this building. I know many of you. And I watch your lives when I'm around you. And, and I, I listen to your talk. I listen to the things you talk about and the things you're excited about. And I realize there are some healthy signs or some signs to a healthy relationship with God. And, and here's some of the signs. One is, if you're in a healthy relationship with God, you have a desire to praise Him and to worship Him. If your relationship with God is healthy, you look forward to the times when you get to thank God for His goodness. You look forward to the times when you get to worship Him and just honor Him for who He is and what He is. When we lose the desire to praise God and worship God, that's a sign that something's wrong with our relationship with God. Another sign is a love for God's house. A love for God's house. If you're in love with God, you're gonna be in love with this house. Can I just be real straight this morning and tell you, if you don't love God, you're not gonna love his house. And if you don't love God's house, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Well, I don't have to go to church to feel God's presence. No, you don't. But scripture's pretty clear about us needing to be among other believers. And I think in, in, in tune with that, if you're in a healthy relationship with God, you're also going to love God's people. I mean, can you imagine? We're going to spend eternity as God's family. And, and, and I think it probably might be a good idea. If we're going to be together forever, we might as well start getting acquainted now. It's going to be sad you get to heaven and you don't know anybody there. God's going to say, well, it's not my fault. Not my fault. If you love God, you're going to love his house and you're going to love his people and you're going to want to be there. And another sign is if we're in a healthy relationship with God, we want to talk to him. And we are talking to him. We're praying, having conversation with God. Another sign is we're, we're excited about God's word. We're reading his word. We're studying his word. We're learning to grow. You can't know God if you don't get into his word because his word tells us who he is, what he is, and what he wants to do in our lives. And then I think the last thing that I'll talk about last sign is we have a faith an excitement an anticipation that god wants to work in me god wants to work through me god wants to work for me and god wants to be involved in every area of my life so i begin to look for him to show up and god begins to do amazing things in our lives
This morning, I want to read from Isaiah 43. Now, like I said, I'm just going to give you an introduction this morning. I'm going to move pretty quickly. But Isaiah 43, I want to begin at verse number one, and I want to read through a, a good part of this chapter, and I, I want to set some things up this morning and just kind of show you what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. Look at Isaiah 43, verse number one. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. Verse one says this, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Now, now pause here just a moment. This morning, I want to talk for just a few minutes about four things, four things real quickly. Number one, I want to talk to you about God's love. God's love. In this verse of Scripture, some people say, well, that's Old Testament. He's talking about Israel. That's Old Covenant. You know what? God made a covenant with Jacob and his offspring, with the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. God did that. God's given us a new covenant, a different, different covenant. But if you go back to Scripture, in the Old Testament, God says, I am God and I change. Not. Never. I don't change. You know, some people say, well, you know, God was one way in the Old Testament. Now God's another way in the New Testament. God does not change. And in the Old Testament, we will see how God dealt with his people. In the New Testament, we see confirmation of how he deals with us in our lives today by the Spirit. And here God says to them, don't be afraid. Wouldn't it be great to go through life without being afraid of what's going to happen next? So many people are eaten up with fear in our world today. If you've been watching the news the last couple of weeks, all over the world there's bombings, there's slaughter, there's death, there's violence going on, and people are living in fear. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. Yes, we can, because God says, fear not. He doesn't want us to be afraid. And he says, I've redeemed you. I myself paid the price to bring you into my family. Don't be afraid of anything going on around you because I have got you covered. You are mine. I've called you by your name. I know you personally. Trust me, everything's going to be all right. Trust me. Why? Because I love you. Look at verse number two. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Verse 3, I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. And finally in verse 4, notice what he says. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored. Everybody look right here. You are precious in the sight of God. Now, I know us men, you know, my, my wife tells me all the time, you are precious. And I love it when she says that because that's a deep expression of her heart. But can I tell you that as a man, you know, precious really isn't a word that I use a whole lot. <laughs> She's precious to me, and I'm precious to her. Whatever that means, it's good. But, but the point is, we guys don't throw that around. And some of you are sitting there right now saying, well, he's not talking to me. Men, God's talking to you. You are precious to God. He loves you. He says, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored. I've given you a place in my family. And he goes on to say, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. God's love. Can I tell you that I'm amazed at God's love? I'm amazed at God's love. Not what happened 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 45 years ago. I'm amazed at what God's love is doing in my life today. 
and what he's going to do this evening and what he's going to do tomorrow and then the next day and the next day. I live in this expectation that God is going to continue to love me and do great things in my life because he wants to. And in this passage of Scripture, he said, when you pass through dangerous situations, if you're going through the, the seas and the floods and the waters, I'm going to be there and I'm going to protect you. If you have to walk through fire, I'm going to be there and I'm going to deliver you. Don't worry about things. I've got you covered because I love you. The Apostle Paul talked about this. Go home and read it for yourself in Ephesians chapter 3, the last few verses of the chapter. Paul said, I want you, he told the Ephesian church, I want you to go out and explore all of God's love. I want you to experience it for yourself. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth. I, I want you to just go through all the boundaries of God's love and you'll find that God's love just keeps growing and God has amazing plans to work for you and in you and through you. So open up your hearts and let God love you. I have a good friend in the ministry who's all the time saying that. That's one of his taglines for his ministry. It's become a joke, and when I text him, I say this all the time, but some of you need to hear this today. Let God love you. Let God love you. Let him love you. Open your heart. Let him in. Let him love you because he wants to do amazing things in your life. So accept the love of God and let him work. And then the last part of Ephesians 3, Paul says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think by the power that's working in us. And he says in there that God wants to continually allow us to experience his love and its benefits. Now listen closely. So that we become, and this is what the original writing actually says, so that we become filled, so that we become furnished, and we become finished with everything that God wants to do. And it paints a picture that God's filling us, he's furnishing us, and he's finishing us all the way to the end of our lives. He's continually working. So he loves us so much, he's not going to abandon us, and he's going to keep working as long as we will allow him to work. God's love is amazing. But then the second thing I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about God's desire for you. God's desire for every person listening today. Listen to this. Look at verse number 16. Skip down to verse 16 of Isaiah 43. I'm going to read a few verses. This is what God says. Now thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Now pause here just a moment. Can I ask this morning, how many of you in your years of walking with God or maybe your months or weeks of walking with God, how many of you have had God lead you through some pretty amazing challenges and give you some pretty amazing deliverances? Let me see your hands. I want hands to go up all the building if you've been through that. Okay. All right, good. I needed to see that and you needed to raise your hands. Here's why. God says, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea. All those things I said I'll do for you. Those of you who know I can do this, here's what I want you to know. Look at verse 17. God who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like fire, like a wick. Have you ever seen God do some amazing things and defeat the enemy for you? Have you ever had that happen? Here's what God says in verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I want you to look at that verse for a moment. God says, remember all those great things I've done? The English says, do not remember, nor consider those things gone by. He's not saying 
will act like they never happened and forget about it. That's not what he's saying. The word, in the word remember, in the word consider, in the original writings, is talking about marking something, making it super significant so it begins to define you. God says don't let what happened yesterday define your relationship with God. God says thank him for the past. Honor him for what he's done. But remember that God is still willing to work in our lives. And he wants to work how? For us and in us and through us. Now look at the next verse. This is so good. Verse 19. God says, behold, I will do what? A new thing. You know what religion does? Religion makes you live in the past living in old things god says behold notice god sounds a trumpet pay attention because i will do a new thing now the interesting thing about this if you look at the original writings what it literally says is god says behold i will do new it doesn't say new thing it says behold i will do new New. Can I tell you what I'm praying right now? I've been praying this for weeks. We talked with the staff about it several weeks ago. This year in our church, I want to see God do new, new, new. I want God to just blow his breath across this church and do new things like we have never seen before to stir us up and realize God is working for us and through us and in us. God said, I will do new things. Here's what he says. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Verse 20, the beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. In verse 21, he says, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Can I tell you what God is saying here in this passage? Can I, can I tell you what he's saying to us today? Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Or can I be real straightforward? Stop living in the past. Everybody smile at me this morning. If you stop smiling, I, I think I'm stepping on your toes. Stop living in the past. Don't let your expectations from the past limit your expectations for the future. As a matter of fact, let me go one step further. Don't let your vision for the future be seen through the rearview mirror. See, I know people living their lives just looking in the rearview mirror and they have no idea what God's doing around them. Well, I just wish I could see God do what he did 15 years ago. You know what God says? God says, you're living in the past. I'm not. I don't need to do what I did 15 years ago. I want to do something fresh and new that meets the need in the moment of the day. Well, I don't like this kind of preaching. Well, God said it. It wasn't me. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at him. Take it out on him. You can tell him he doesn't know what he's doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm telling you what God said. If you, want to, if you have a bone to pick, pick the bone with him, okay? I will do a... New thing, new, I will do new things. When I was starting out in ministry, 
God began to open doors for me to travel and preach. Back in those days, I was a singer. And so I, because I could sing and had soundtracks and all that, I would travel. And I, preachers would let me come sing in their churches, and then they let me preach for a few minutes. And then as time went by, I spent less time singing and more time preaching. And then today, I don't spend any time singing because Aaron won't let me. I don't spend any time singing, but now I spend my time preaching. But here's the point. When I got ready to start traveling preaching, there was an elderly man in my home church who I really loved and respected, sweet old man. One day he came over to me and was talking to me, and he said, Brother Gary, I admire what you're wanting to do, but I want to tell you, when I was a little boy in the early 1900s back in the state of Arkansas, we saw revival back in those days, in the Brush Arbor days, like you've never seen before. It was amazing. And I'm going to tell you something. I wish we could see that again because we ain't never going to see that again, and there will never be a greater revival as there was back then. And I'm sitting there thinking, then what in the world am I doing traveling the country preaching? <laughs> the problem wasn't me. The problem was him. He was living life looking in the rearview mirror. A lot of us live our lives. Can I, can I just be real practical for a minute? Some of you all need to go to the mall and buy an updated shirt or an updated dress just to make you realize God's doing new things. You don't have to dress like Aaron. You don't have to wear jeans like that, okay? But, but the point is, some of us need something new in our lives physically to wake us up and realize God's not living in what used to be. God wants to do new things in your life today. Maturity doesn't cause us to stop growing in God. Maturity causes us to start doing things for God. Oh, this is good preaching for first service. God says, I will do new. Now, here's, here's where I want to get to. What does a new thing look like? How many of you, how many of you have seen the new Tesla? electric car that's coming out okay maybe 10 of you that's okay, okay that's not they just introduced it this week you know, electric car I mean, it's cool looking do you know what it looks like see I no you don't know why you haven't seen it yet because it's a new thing it's a new thing what does it sound like I haven't heard it what does it feel like to drive I don't know. Haven't experienced that, that yet. See, new things we really don't know because we haven't experienced it. But yet when I say God's going to do new things, a lot of you think, oh, yeah, he's going to do something like he did back there in 1984. No, he's not. Because it's, it's not what the church needs. It's not what the world needs. Yes, it's the outpouring of his spirit. It's the moving of his spirit. But God does it in new ways. God says, I'm going to do new things like you've never seen before. So what do we know about new things? New things are different. They don't look, feel, and sound like old things. They're different. What else do we know? New things often spring forth. This is what he said. Now it's going to just spring forth. It's just going to bust out of nowhere and start happening. Now it's going to spring forth unexpectedly. It's interesting. New things are often misunderstood, ridiculed, and rejected because they catch us by surprise. We're not expecting them. And here, here's the clincher. I want you to get this. God says, I'm going to do new things. Man, they're going to bust out. New things are going to break out. Amazing things are going to start happening. And God says, shall you not know it? Did you know God can do new things all around of us, or all around us, and some of us will never even know it? 
because it's different. It doesn't fit our mold. It doesn't fit our shape. It doesn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. Jesus taught about this. Jesus said, when there's new wine, you don't put it in old wineskins because old wineskins are dry and brittle, and you put that new wine in there, and it begins to germinate, and it begins to bubble, and it begins to burn, and the acid begins to work, and it'll split that leather skin wide open, and you'll lose all the wine. He said, if you got new wine, you got to put in new wineskins. Jesus went one step further. He talked about Pentecostals. You know what he said? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not either. I'm serious. What he said was, anybody who's drank old wine says, I don't want new wine. The old's better. Without even tasting it. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Well, I don't want anything new. I want something old like I like. You know what I like, God. You know, God, if we could just sing, he, sing he touched me one more time, we'd have revival. And 90% of the people don't even know what he touched me is. Oh, it's better. It's better than the new music. Well, to you it is, but not to everybody else. See, the point is we box ourselves in and we say, well, this is what God's going to do. He's going to repeat. God seldom repeats. God does new things. He breaks out in new ways. But here's what God said. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to burn a road into the wilderness. I'm going to go places where people never been reached before, and I'm going to reach them. It might be next door to you. It might be at work. It might be people around you who are living in a spiritual wilderness. God says, I'm going to burn a road right to them, and I'm going to touch their life. I'm going to go into desert places where it's dry, where there's no water whatsoever, and I'm just going to pour out my spirit, and I'm going to let water flow everywhere. You need to get ready for it because it's going to spring forth, and if you're not ready, you might miss it. And the third thing, I'm almost finished. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 22. We talked about... God's love. We talked about his desire to do new things in our lives. Number three, look at Isaiah 43, verse 22. God says, but you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You've been weary of me, O Israel. You've not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. Number three, look at God's disappointment. God said, look at all I've done, those rivers, those fires, all those things I brought you through. Look how much I love you. And look, I want to do new things for you. I want to do things. I want you to live a vibrant life. I want, I want to continually be working in you and through you and for you. But then God says, I'm disappointed because in the middle of all this, you don't talk to me. You don't express your heart to me. He goes one step further. He says, some of you are weary of me. You don't want to come to my house. You don't want to hang out with me. You don't want to be with my people. It's stale. You're bored. You don't want God's house. You don't want God. He says, you're weary of me. He says, you've not honored me. You've not lived the life that I've given you to live. And God says, I've not burdened you down with religion. I've given you life. I've given you relationship to enjoy new things every day of your life. And fourth of all, the last thing, look at verse 25. God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Verse 26, put me in remembrance. Let us 
contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Number four, God's offer. His love, his desire for us, his disappointment, and then last of all, his offer. God says, come to me, let's talk about this. I'm the one who washed away your sins. I'm the one who did what nobody else can do. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Let's talk about this. I'm going to close this morning, and, and I want to pray for you. And, and I want to pray that God will begin to stir us for new things. And I want you to do something with me. I want you to open your heart to God, and I want this to begin to be a seed that begins to stir for the next several weeks and months that leads our church into brand new things, things like we've never seen before. I want to ask you to bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, start something new in us. We don't want to be dead. We don't want to be dry. We don't want to be religious. We don't want to live in the past. The past is gone. God, we want new wine. We want new wine. We want a new, fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, for our lives, through our lives. God, we want to see the new. So we open our hearts to you. God, stir us. Stir us. God, we're going to state our case. We don't talk to you about this stuff. God, check our hearts right now. If there are things that need to be adjusted in our hearts, check our hearts. In Jesus' name. While heads are bowed for just a moment, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've listened to this message and you've thought, well, that's all great, but I, I've never even been in relationship with God. This is your chance right now to begin that relationship. You say, well, what's a relationship all about? God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to wash away your sins bring you into relationship with him that you might know him in this life and the world to come have eternal life but God can only do what you allow him to do God right now is knocking on the door of people's hearts in this room and you're realizing this is real this is right God just needs you to give him an invitation and say God I need you we do that with our words with the prayer with our faith I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this with me. Write out loud. You don't have to scream it, but pray this out loud. Everybody say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. So I open my heart to you. Please come in. Fill my life. I want a brand new relationship with you. From this moment forward, you are my father. And I am your child because of Jesus. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many in the house today are excited about God doing new things in your life? Are, are you excited about that? This is going to become the focus of our church, new things. God wants to do new things, new things, new things. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you just committed your life to the Lord, maybe you've never done that before or maybe you've just been far away but you just committed your life to the Lord. Best decision, greatest decision, most important decision you'll ever make. But it's not the end of the relationship, it's just the beginning. We have a little tool we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little booklet, just a little bit of reading for the next week to help you understand what this relationship's all about. We want to give it to you. There's two ways you can get it. When we're finished in a few minutes, there'll be prayer teams here at the front of the building. You can just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there, no strings attached. If you want to visit, great. If you want prayer for something else, great. But we just want to help you get started walking with God.
If you're in a big rush or you're uncomfortable, you can go out to the, to the Connection Center in the lobby. Just walk up and say, can I get the booklet they talked about in there? They'll give it to you right there. It's called The Next Seven Days. We want to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today?